Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. Today, we have Netflix 148th film. It's the 2019 Spanish drama, Who Would You Take to a Deserted Island? Or in Spanish, bear with me, a queen te lavaras a una is a desertia. More sounds more like a dessert than a desert. All right. This is <laughs> <laughs> this is directed by Jota Linares, and it stars Paul Monin, Jamie, or Jame, Lorente, Andrea Ross, and Maria Pedrazas. I'm Jesse. Hey, Andre, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. When you when you said just prior to press and record, you know, watch me butcher some Spanish here. I didn't think you were going to uh, have a crack at the title in Spanish. <laughs> I thought you were just going to struggle with some of the actors' names, but well done. I think you, you, hopefully you didn't offend anyone. <laughs> I, I could have sworn. I don't know. I've got no idea what I said. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we've we've got a Spanish film today, so something a little bit of a, a mix up that we haven't seen in quite a while. Very true. We, we've had a couple of Spanish films, though, so we're not in completely foreign territory, mind the pun. Yeah, very good. All right, well, we start our show off with our fast flicks where we do a quick summary of what the film's all about and what do you think this one is about, MJ? All right, fast flicks for who would you take to a deserted island? So with change upon them, four long-term flatmates start to explore and examine where their lives are at. Nice. Yeah, I've just said this is uh, one last hurrah for a group of friends leaving an apartment which turns direction when a game about truth is played. Mm, very nice. Good. Well, what have you learned about how Netflix acquired this one or how it came to be? Yeah, it's a little bit trickier than normal, as we often find with um, foreign language films, uh, trying to jump into the Google world and figuring out that there's not too much on there in English. Um, it didn't even have a good Wikipedia page, which is my go-to. That's just where you can pick a choose. <laughs> um, it was it was actually the worst Wikipedia page I've ever seen for a film. Like it was nothing. But maybe there's a Spanish one somewhere that can help us out. But anyway, what I did find, and it's not much, but I did find that uh, it's actually based on a popular Spanish play um, by Jota Linares, uh, who was also the director of the film. Um, it actually turns out that this began, this concept, this story, this began, it began as a short by the same director. Then it was brought to the stage where it became uh, pretty successful from audience and, and critical circles. And then Linares was really eager to make a feature film off the back of it and, and provide obviously a little bit more air to the story. Um, there's always elements that the stage can't really allow for. So that was the reason why this came to be. Um, and it does seem that this probably wouldn't have been made without Netflix. So I did manage to stumble across an interview with the producer Beatrice Bodegas. Uh, excuse me for probably butchering that one, unfortunately. But uh, basically, they were they were shooting they were shooting another feature that um, Jota Linares has had made called The Island or Island. They offered that to Netflix, and then that's when the conversation sort of began about acquiring this film. Um, and they basically told Netflix that they, they wanted to work in a different way than they normally have with their productions. Um, basically, they, they wanted to have complete freedom in making this feature. They've obviously got a lot to do with it from the fact that it was their play and all that kind of stuff. So they wanted all the casting, all the shooting, all the editing, all basically done by them. Uh, and Netflix was happy to oblige, and 
basically from what I can gather, it is quite difficult at the moment um, to make medium budget sort of feature films in Spain and, and Netflix obviously came on board to give them that freedom and it was obviously very welcome um, and give them a global audience, which, um, which is always nice. So that's, that's kind of all I've got. I know there's a little bit more about awards and stuff, but that's the crux of how it got here and I don't know. Hopefully that helps. You got so much more info than I did. So thank you. Uh, you opened oh, my good. eyes a little bit about what's going on. So good uh, further research from you. I appreciate that. The only, I did uh, some translations for the titles. Uh, most countries, it, it was who would you take to a desert island, not a deserted island. Um, so that's the main difference, I guess, with this one. But um, Turkey, it was called, if you were, a, if you were stranded on a desert, deserted island, who would you take with you? So a bit of a mouthful. Um, okay. Wow. And then in uh, Vietnam, this one was called, who would you take to a wild island? So um, that's, a, that's a, yeah, I wonder what's on the wild island. <laughs> very, very interested. <laughs> um, it's a very intriguing title, to be perfectly honest. Um, it's one of those titles that, it's not a great title because it's a mouthful and it's not punchy, but it is something that stands out. I know we've, we've got a list, you and I, of, of movies that we're going to cover on this podcast because we do them in the audit they have been released. And, and this one just stood out to me for, for some time just looking at it like, what is this film? It's, it's an interesting title. So I don't know whether it's good or bad. I haven't got an opinion on it yet. I'm the same as you, like that title stood out and I, the whole time I had these expectations of what this was going to be about and it, it is definitely not anything that I had <laughs> in the back of my mind about That's what true. they might cover. Um, so I guess, yeah, That's we'll talk a little bit, little bit of this was, it's a Spanish film. It was made in Madrid. Um, it played at the Malaga Film Festival on the 22nd of March, 2019, before hitting Netflix worldwide on the 12th of April. You mentioned before some awards, so it was nominated for three awards, won one of those three. Uh, so it was nominated at the ASCEAN Award for the Best Supporting Actress for Beatrice Arjona, which is a tiny role um, for this character called Maggie. <laughs> very, very, very small role. Um, it was also nominated at the Malaga Spanish Film Festival where it played um, for Best Spanish Film. And it also, well, the only win that it won was for the Best New Actor Award uh, for Paul Monin, who played Ez um, at the Kibra Awards. So a um, little bit of reward recognition, award recognition there um, on the international stage. Was Maggie the um, the neighbour who was hanging up the laundry? Yeah, the one that was putting out the washing. Okay. Yep, <laughs> so, yep, cool. Yeah, I wasn't so. sure. I could, yeah, that didn't, good on her. Well done. <laughs> yeah, one, one little scene. So uh, I guess we can talk a little bit about what others are thinking about this. What's some consensus that you've seen for this one? Yeah, so I always have a look at IMDb and Letterboxd and... Uh, it's a 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb of 2,300 ratings. So not a huge score and not a huge amount of eyeballs, which is not terribly surprising. Obviously, IMDb, very American or westernized kind of platform. Um, and Letterboxd is a 2.4 out of 5. So similar, uh, albeit a little bit lower, just over 2,000 ratings again there. So it's not, not hugely popular. I think if you look at the... Look at the graphs. It does definitely skew towards the lower end with a lot of sort of, you know, one star kind of ratings for it. So it wasn't terribly popular and not a heap of eyeballs. So we're not loving this from Netflix. But again, it's, you know, it's, it's great that they've got this, these international films as their originals as well. So th there's a bit more to play with that. Yeah, the same with uh, with critics on Rotten Tomatoes, only six reviews. However, it's probably the most positive data we've got. It sits at 83% on those six reviews. So mm. sits at fresh, not certified. Um, not one audience member on Rotten Tomatoes has uh, gone one. on to not one, not one. So, um, 
yeah, uh, the, the, the eyeballs on this one's a little bit lower than some of the the other Netflix films that we have looked at, I guess. Do you have a Rotten Tomatoes account, Jesse? Are you going to jump on and, and be one of those? No. I guess it could, but uh, no, nah, I don't have the time. <laughs> I can't be bothered to be honest. And, and, and it's Rotten Tomatoes. Let's not, let's, let's be honest. Yeah, let's we not, don't like Rotten Tomatoes. Let's not right. waste our time. <laughs> well, what are your early thoughts on this one? Well, I guess I'm in the, um, I'm in the camp of the, the critics on Rotten Tomatoes because I like this. I, um, I definitely enjoyed the, the mix of nostalgia and, and, and philosophical ponderings. Uh, I think it does a really good job of capturing those years of growing up and, the struggles of being who you want to be versus who you think you can be or should be. And, you know, the, the people that form your life and, and there's this clear and distinct moment that you kind of move on from one chapter of your life to the next. And, and so often we don't really have a clear delineation in our own lives, but this movie seems to capture that time and that feeling so perfectly that you can relate to it in some way. And I, like with all that said, I, I found some of the character arcs and issues really interesting, but I never really cared for the characters too much. That was a bit of an issue of mine, but, but generally it, it really connected with me. Good. Um, the, the build at this start of this film bored me to be completely honest. Like the start of this film was a struggle. I think I stopped and started. Like I was like, I started, I'm like, I got to come back and start again. Ooh. I think I did that like three times. So not a good start for me, but once we, nice. got, once we got to the truth game, um, I was all in. Um, and I loved almost every moment onwards from that till the end. And with a better start, this could possibly have been in the high end of some of my favourite films. Um, yeah. I like that. Interesting take. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, this, this is a character piece, to, to be honest. This, this film is, is about the characters. There's no real plot. So um, get, let's talk about some characters. Hit us off with your first one. Well, I- She's probably not the one maybe that we should talk about first, but I want to talk about Marta first. And I, I loved Marta. I was, I was drawn to this girl immediately. Like she had this cheeky, curious, happy-go-lucky nature. That, and maybe you're right that the, the, the beginning of the film was a little bit slow and tedious and it must have been Marta that just drew me into it and I was sort of following her story. But, you, you know, she's introduced really early with her philosophy on, you know, what would you tell your 19-year-old self? And I sort of... I loved her ideas that you don't want to know what happens at the end of the movie, right? So why would you divulge that much? And there's just this connection I had with her straight away. And then later on, we get that reveal about, you know, how and why she never wants to hurt anyone. And you get the vibe that this mantra has sort of been there all along. And that's maybe why I liked her all along. And I just, I thought it was a really good performance by Maria Pedraza. And I just, this character was, was just drew me in immediately. Uh, and I loved her. I think she was great. Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, obviously she's one of the, the people we see very early on. And, um, I, yeah, I, I think she's very likable. Um, as you mentioned, she, you know, later on we hear she's most proud of never hurting anyone. And that ties in with what we see throughout the film. Um, you know, she's found the man of her dreams. She doesn't want to she doesn't want to create conflict. She's happy to give up everything that she wants to follow him and, and make him happy and not offend him. And, you know, she obviously wants to be a ballet dancer and she's happy to give up on that dream and, you know, just teach because, you know, that's all you, mm. if you can't do your teach, isn't it? Um, so, <laughs> um, so, so and, and, you know, she just wants to be with Marco and, and, you know, there's very little in her that you can dislike. So I think you, you bang on there where you're talking about you connected with her so well, because I don't think there was part, a part of her that you couldn't like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in probably stark contrast, all the other characters had this angst about them that I didn't really like as much. And that's probably where it was a bit hard. It doesn't mean I wasn't interested in them. And, and I think probably tying on from Marta, we can go to Marcos. And I didn't connect with him. And 
the longer it went on, the less I liked him. And I didn't know why I felt like this because I felt like I was supposed to like him, but clearly my feelings towards him were bang on because he was more or less the villain of this story. But like he's a villain because he's lost and he's confused and he's trying to deal with this situation and he's going about it the completely wrong way. And, and I think that's the commentary, right? Like be proud of who you are, lean into who you are. Don't string people along with your lies just because you're just going to hurt them. But this guy was, he was in a, in a weird place and he was confused. And instead of trying to work through that, he tried to just ignore it and, and he was all about the lies. Right. And he was hurting everyone whilst he was doing it. Yeah. It is. Not much more you can say that the, the lies and being a liar and keeping these secrets was, and, you know, most people aren't going to to connect with a, a character who you know is constantly being deceitful. So, um, and like you mentioned too, that there's not necessarily his fault, but this idea that he doesn't know who he is yet and he thinks he has it all, um, but realistically he doesn't have anything. And and that's a really mm-hmm. hard situation to be, be in if if um, you know you, you're not being true to yourself, then you can't be true to others. And, um, and and I think there's a comment towards the end too that he's not capable of loving anyone, and and he can't love anyone if he doesn't love himself and who he is. So um, there were some good little moments for him, uh, even though he was, yeah. like you said, the villain. Yeah, yeah, and that's the great thing. And villain's such a it's probably a bad term, but in the context of this story, that's kind of how it works. You know, he's not like Scar from the Lion King, for example, where (laughs) he's purely out to do wrong by people. Yeah. Um, Exactly. It kind of leads into as, and and I'm going to, I feel like they pronounce his name so differently to the way I like read it and the way I'm going to say it. So I I couldn't quite, there's just the way that they spoke. They did it by the way I can't do it anyway, but I'm going (laughs) to call him as, but he's kind of like the lesser version of Marcos in the, in the sense that he's also not being entirely true to himself, but he's less in your face about the lies that he's living. Uh, It's more, he's not necessarily ignoring who he is and playing a version of himself to the public eye. He's more shy and embarrassed about how to be gay. Um, Spoiler alert, actually. We haven't done a spoiler alert. We are going to spoil this film. We probably have a <laughs> little already. bit anyway. We probably haven't. We've done pretty well, We haven't really. done it too much. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry about that. If you do want to watch it, uh, we are going to spoil it a little bit more than I already just did then. But you can imagine that Marcos and his feelings towards Marcos must have confused, you know, his own situation. So he's living with this secret. He's watching a man who he has feelings for basically just toying with his emotions every single day. And it's clearly eating him up inside. And his resolution for me is one of satisfaction, more more so than it seems on the surface, because he moves on, he grows up and he makes a life for himself. And it might not be the big dreams that he had, but in in the context of his life, it's much more important what he did than what he could have done. So it's he, he he's kind of like this lesser version where we're pretty happy with the way he actually handles it in the end. Yeah, I, th- I think that, like it's that mixture where Marcos doesn't have anything together, really. Everything's a lie. Whereas, um, as he's got that, the professional life seems to be coming together, like going off to, to film school in London um, and being a writer, whereas the personal life's a bit of a mess. And I like that early on, he's got this out clause. He's got this idea that I'm out of here. So I, th- I think that no matter what happened in that situation in that final night, you didn't didn't matter if there were drugs, didn't matter if there were alcohol. I think there was going to be some sort of confrontation from him because he he was on edge that whole time anyway from the start, from the get-go. He was on edge about mm. moving on. And I think that more, more so than not, this, this narrative is the 
the, the poking prod to, to his story and, and his life. And I think that, and we've already said spoiler alert, but I think that's why we get his point of view from the end. Um, that's why we get to see where he's at and how he's doing rather than just a, a verbal um, explanation, like a side note to where he is, because I think that mm. this, this helps push his story that he was always going to get out of there. Um, and he always needed to confront those people that um, in his life that possibly have let him down. That's it, like Slay the Dragon. And I think Celeste is really similar in that sense where her infatuation with Ez is one of the bigger components of this story that probably isn't explored enough because she's clearly happy enough living in this bubble and is quite resistant to this impending change of them all moving out. But she's still ultimately unhappy with how everything is panning out with her life. And and this this is pretty relatable feeling at that age because... The idea that, you know, well, let's just let me see where this particular strand of my life is going to take me. I'm not happy right now, but that's okay because I'm young and maybe I'll get happiness from whatever I do next. And and maybe that's true, but Celeste needed the push from others to make something of her life. And that push basically was a falling out with all these people um, and her discovering that her feelings towards Ez were unfounded and ill-directed. And it kind of allowed her to take stock of her own life and, you know, as we see her move on and move forward in a way that you probably wouldn't have anticipated the girl that you met at the start of the movie, which is, you know, only 24 hours past, really. Um, so it's it's the necessary evil that helps her get on with her life and, and make good decisions off the back of it. Yeah, and and tying in the, the first scene we see her, she's hungover, she's in the bed of a random, she needs Ez to get around, She's down and out. She's no hope. She's she's literally got no hope at that stage. She's resigned to the fact that she's going to work in fast food. Um, and then to see the final set, the final shot of this film is her her moment. So I think that, and then like you mentioned too, that that break up at the at the the apartment, like she had a really nice little arc of down and out, mm. need that point. This is where I'm at now. Mm, yeah, bang on. Uh, any other characters that you wanted to talk about? No. I didn't know there yeah. were any nah, anymore yeah, yeah. except for someone who got an award. Got an award, yeah. <laughs> when I saw the award, I was like, am I supposed to talk about her a little bit or not? <laughs> <laughs> any interesting things about the director? You mentioned early on anyway about um, him being the writer for the stage show anyway. Yeah, yeah, obviously. I'm quite unfamiliar with um, with a lot of their work being not watching too many Spanish stuff. Yeah, <laughs> five shorts. Did a feature before this one, some TV upcoming film called Crystal Girls. Obviously, like you mentioned, all in Spanish. So, um, yeah, not, not on our radar. Yeah, unfortunately, but doesn't mean they don't have to be. Good. Uh, time to talk about some scenes. We'll start off with some ones that you enjoyed in this one. Yeah, well, like I think I'm just going to call it the who would you take to a deserted island scene or desert island, whatever they wanted to call it. It was just, it was big. It was strong. It was memorable. Obviously there was a lot of probably components that came off the back of that scene, but you know, that's, that, that's, it was a really memorable scene for me because the way that argument between all of them basically escalated and then simmered and then continued to escalate. And it, it sort of just kept evolving. Um, there was obviously the reveal of, um, both both guys being gay, which to be perfectly honest, I didn't pick. Um, not that I was looking out for it, but obviously that was a big surprise and became a big. It was a big catalyst of the film anyway. But yeah, that whole scene in general just felt good, felt raw. I thought all the acting performances were excellent, and just there is that level of relatability of when you are drunk and hanging out with people, how quickly a night can turn because someone says the wrong thing or misinterprets the wrong thing. It was 
I, I really liked it. I thought it was a great scene. Yep. Excellent. Um, off the back of that, I, I probably almost my favorite part of the film was, was Marta's monologue about her mum's empty eyes um, telling the story about when her dad left and, and that being the reason, like we said, why she she vowed sort of never to hurt anyone in her life and like what a what a trait and what what a way to want to base your life here we got people trying to base life on their careers and the, what they're going to do next and and her whole thing is all about well as long as i'm not making people upset that i'm doing what i want to do and if that means i'm going to go teach dancing or actually try and perform it doesn't matter because i'm being true to my morals and uh, yeah this character she got me i thought she was great Good. um and then that sort of goes on as well. I'm, I'm breaking these scenes up. We could just do one big thing, but the turmoil and the aftermath on the balcony of um, Marcos and Ease, I, I thought, again, they, as I said, it just kept escalating and you weren't sure whether there was going to be a deflation. And I must say, I'm, I'm really happy that they didn't end up together and they didn't sort of reconcile because I didn't like Marcos. I don't think he deserved that arc in his story, particularly that quickly. Um, and again, I thought it was done really well, really raw, is, is, is going to, jump off the um off the balcony like what like it, it just it just really captured a lot of great stuff um and the only other scene i do have is, is right at the end when celeste takes a photo of um of ez i just that recognition of that moment um and how it might not have turned out the way that you thought but it still turned out great he's a guy who he got through a lot. He, he thought he wanted to be a director. He thought he wanted a certain guy in his life, but he sort of just took it all on board. He's back taking photos. Cool. No big deal. That's fine. You know, you, you're sort of reconciling with a friend. I just, there was something in that moment where she just paused and took stock of it, took a photo that just really, really connected with me again. So you, did you, is, is he saying that you appreciated her taking the physical photo rather than a memory on the phone? Is that where you... No, it was more, it was, I guess it was more the idea of her actually taking stock of that moment and wanting to say, Hey, stop right there. Cause in essence, it's a nothing moment. It's a nothing moment where they've just sort of said, g'day, you're caught up and he's leaving. And she's like, hang on, let's just, to me, there was just a feeling of let's just sit back and smell the roses because we've actually got to a place. that's really good from a place that was really bad. Yep. And, and sometimes you never actually stop to smell the roses until it's too late. And you go, hang on, geez, we, we did a really good job there because you're so quickly moving on to the next thing. Cool. Nicely put. Um, yeah, I enjoyed the the film references throughout. Obviously, you've got a character who wants to to do film school, so the the Marilyn Monroe posters and and Celeste, you know, um, trying to promote herself as, as that type of actress. And early on, I saw the Thelma and Louise um, poster in the background, and I just really liked that they had the thought to put that in the room and then follow that through with a, a storyline of you know, doing that Route 66 and and that photo at the end together. I thought that was really cool. And, and some Blade Runner quotes. I just I just appreciated those little little things that that tied in well with that character, I guess. Um mm-hmm. and as you mentioned too, like the I found I found it really hard to break up that game scene, the the who would you take to the deserted island? I think that I enjoyed that it started off with you can take two people with you, tell us who and why, because there was still an extra person that was going to be missing out in that room somewhere. So it still made yeah. it, it still made it edgy. And then just to to follow through with and go, nah, let's do this. Just one, just pick one. And just the reveals throughout the game with what people were saying and it, it create the the stakes increased. Um, you learn a lot of secrets. You, you get this understanding as to why Isaiah doesn't like Marta. Like it just, it just helped reveal the plot so well even though that setup was a bit slow, 
it, it helped me appreciate it a little bit more. And I think mm. that's, that's good. Um, I think I like that five year later check in too. I think that it could have been an impactful film if you just finished it where it was and gone left you questioning where, where are these people where going? Yeah. yeah. What's going to happen. But I think, you know, towards the end, I really did like the scene with them, the two of them in the theater together. I think that it was a good closure. Um, so do I. Yeah, yeah. I agree. All right. What are some things that you didn't like in this? There really wasn't much to be honest, Jesse. I, I think if I'm being a little bit critical, I thought, I thought the masturbation scene probably lingered a little bit too long. I think the point was made and it, it was a little bit more of just like a, yeah, look what we can do here on film and be a little bit edgy. So um, that's probably just the main thing for me that just, I thought, didn't need to be that long. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm the same. I think that, like I mentioned already, the the first 20 minutes or so, I, I really didn't really like. But looking back on it, I can see it wasn't actually too bad a setup. I think that, um, you know, especially like you mentioned with the sex references, the uh, there's a story that he, he and it, it all adds to this character of Marco, I guess, about their first sexual encounter, and and it makes more sense as to how that sexual encounter finished, and it makes more sense when you do see him masturbating, and it makes more sense, um, you know, just, just these references. So, um, and I, it also set up that script read that but that Marta does as well. Without that, her reading that script, that blow up probably doesn't happen um, as well. Um, the, the, there's a scene where they go to the club. I don't mm. understand why they needed to do drugs. It just, it didn't add anything to the story. If stick with alcohol. That's cool. It still would have been the same blow up. It wouldn't have really changed anything, to be honest. Um, I was going to say the same thing, to be honest. I thought about putting that in as well. And I thought the only, the only thing would be is that it, it does have that relatability for some people, but you're right. You get the, yeah. you get the same thing from, from alcohol. Yeah. And I, I know that you, this is one of your favorite scenes, but the martyr, the martyr ballet story and the dad leaving. Oh no. Yeah. Nah. Um, it, for a, and I, I get why they've included the ballet and I get why they've included the the dad leaving and the mum's eyes and things like that. I just felt it was a little bit on my, a bit, a bit on the nose. And I think if she had just, I don't know, I just so much hurt for such a young person to, to be like, I'm oh. going to use all this hurt. I don't know. I just oh, didn't sit right with me. And there's i'm not Fair saying yeah, that's all that's all it is it's i just yeah uh, i don't know maybe just stick with the dad leaving that would have been heartbreaking enough i didn't didn't i don't know it was just it just yeah didn't i right. just yeah I, maybe that connection i had with her from i just wanted way. to give her a big cuddle but i was so proud of her as well yeah. like the strength of her to still just walk away like i yeah anyway and and oh. to just explain go hey look i'm i'm this person who never wants to hurt anyone i've i've caused a blow up potentially tonight you know i didn't mean to You've hurt me deliberately. It's the last thing I would ever do. Eat a dick and then off she goes. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was I was just waiting for like you know the brother to have leprosy and the grandmother to be hit by a bus and <laughs> I thought it was just going to keep going and going and going like the, the worst childhood ever. Um, but yeah, that's, but the <laughs> idea that they've obviously been together for a while and she hasn't said that story means she's not the type to toot her own horn. Yes, that is very true. But she needs to know that this is this is the girl that she's been stringing along, the girl who would never hurt her despite everything she's been through. So, she, yeah, anyway. Yeah, true. I get um, what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, what are some themes or some ideas in this one? Well, I mean, in its essence, this is basically a story about growing up. And, and what I like a lot about it is, and I normally wouldn't say this because I love a story about following a big dream, right? And this is... This story isn't about following your big dreams. It's it's more defining your redefining your big dreams because the idea of who you want to be isn't based on 
being a famous actress or a Hollywood director or even a big shot doctor, you know, with a pretty girl on your arm, which is what these three characters really wanted. It's actually about understanding who you are, what's important to you and listening to your heart. And I love the fact that Ez didn't become a big shot director and Celeste still works at a chicken shop. And I love that this is where we leave them because what's more important in this story is their self-discovery and their ability to move on from this lifestyle that kind of felt like they were stuck in time in this apartment. I mean, yes, it opens up the possibility of them still being able to achieve a level of their dream job with the theatre and um, all that kind of stuff that we do leave with. But what was more important was this resolution of being okay in your own skin and leaving a life that helps get your head in order first and foremost. And that's why, similar to you, I appreciate that five years in advance because it really brings it home as to what was important in this movie. Yep, yeah. Um, you've, you've taken a real positive spin on that, which I like because instead of that idea of, you know, well, it's still about, you know, feeling comfortable in yourself and um, dealing with that that big blow-ups about rejection and, and how you you grow up with that rejection, I guess. But and I, I wrote down, I was like, this is like the youth dying. So now looking back on that, I'm like, that's a really, oh, yeah. really sad way of looking at it compared to how you, you've put it. So I, I liked your uh, positive spin on it a bit more than um, such a negative look. <laughs> but um, I think that, yeah, the the idea too of, of these repressed feelings and thoughts and, and being truthful with yourself can help with that growth as well. And just lastly, this idea of heat in, of the situation, you know, they've, they've got the radio at the start talking about how hot it is, you know, it's the hottest day in so many years and why they're all naked. And, um, you know, the, the night they moved in was hot as well. And um, it, it's literally the heat of the situation in this, mm. in this apartment building, um, the, the literal um, symbolism of it as well. And I liked it, but I don't know if you've seen um, Spike Lee's do the right thing. Um, it does, does that idea of heat so much better um, if you're, yeah. if you're keen, but yeah, that, I think uh, both got very similar thoughts on, on that whole yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> I like the way you say, you know, the the dying of your youth. It, it is the same thing as saying growing up, right? Like yeah. we're, we're talking about the same thing there. I never thought of it as being a more positive <laughs> yeah. outlook on it, but it, yeah, is. It's, it's, it, it is the same thing. All right. Well, what did, what did you take away from this one? Look, for me, I love a story that can really progress itself through dialogue. And so that's why this was always kind of in my ballpark, but particularly when that dialogue resonates with me enough to relate, but also more to ponder. I I like a movie that makes me think about characters' ideas and how those ideas might mesh with my ideas. And I think this film does that very, very well. Um, And very similar for me, uh, another Spanish film that we've done on the pod, Seven Años, I don't think that that it's perfect. I don't think it's as good as Seven Años. Seven Años as a actual film narrative really drew me in and I just edge of my seat stuff from dialogue. Um, but a lot of it works and, and I, I can really appreciate it. It's almost Linklater-esque, that sort of style of film where you're just hanging out with these characters and, and as I said, nothing's happening in the story, but so much is happening in their heads and in their minds. And in this case, in their relationships. And uh, yeah, that's, that's certainly what I'm going to be, taking away from this film if someone ever talks to me about it we've got our uh, very similar takes i think uh, i for me and I, you know i'm no big hotshot movie director or anything but i really would have i reckon this could have worked a lot better if it was set in just the apartment the whole time like mm. um 
not sure what the play does. Like I haven't seen the play. I don't know exactly how the play does it, but you know, if you have dialogue with them sitting there having breakfast in between showers, getting ready for work, things like that, where you don't have to remove them from this one location. So then when they do come together to have this big, um, this big argument, you can feel that tension building in that one spot. Um, oh yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, like you mentioned to the dialogue um, between the characters and, you know, you can still build those relationships and those backstories without leaving that apartment. And I've also, I've also said here, you know, they could have taken the 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 idea from Seven Años and done it in the one location. So nice that we've both uh, mentioned our, our Seven Años <laughs> as a Spanish film that um, reminds us of this one. And ironically, it's nothing to do with the fact that they're both Spanish because nah, they're entirely different films. Yeah. It's just coincidence that they kind of tread that same path. Um, you know what's really funny? And I'm not even just saying this. When I was watching this film, I was thinking, this could be a play. I was honestly thinking <laughs> that the whole time watching the film. And then I read it and I was like, oh, well, that's probably why it had yeah, such absolutely. a play feel to it. I did that with um, One Night in Miami, that film that came out uh, at the end of last year. I was like, this this is, this could be a play. And then I was like, oh, wow, it, it is. <laughs> it's quite a famous play, isn't that one? Possibly. I might have just missed that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we sometimes jump onto IMDb. Did... Um, you go on time day battle to check anyone out? I did not. I'm not as smooth with the uh, the Spanish cast and crew. Don't worry, me either. So question time. Did you have any questions that you wanted to ask? I love that you mentioned the heat in the uh, in the themes of this film. I my question to you was, did you get hot watching this? Because I think I think they did quite a decent job of communicating that heat early on, and I started to feel quite warm. Like when you do a good job of this sort of stuff, and this happened. Um, when I first watched Titanic, I remember watching Titanic in the summer. Uh, and by the end of the film, I was freezing because it's just, they just make you feel so cold. And I, did you get hot watching this movie? We're in the uh, middle of winter here in Australia. A little bit with the, the naked bodies lying around, maybe. That, that, that was um, obviously done on purpose. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was, I think, yeah, it's a very good point that you make that uh, they, obviously did that on purpose. So, um, and then, you know, the pool, the blow up pool on the rooftop and it was just, yeah, the, the lots of little key bits that they, they tried to uh, put it out there to, to prove to you how hot it was. It is hot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else you want to ask? No, nah, that was it. You've my two things that I had to ask as well. We've pretty much already covered. Um, I had, did you, did you pick that uh, Marcos and Eze were in a relationship? <laughs> and um, you've obviously told no, us. Bit. No, yeah, no, me either. no, not at all. I think that, um, and it probably frustrated me a little bit that they, they kept playing on these lines to try and make it out. Like they're all going to be like incestuous with each other or, um, you know, the, the Maggie putting the clothes out or um, mm. so they, they tried to deceit or deceive you a little bit along the way. So uh, I did not pick that at all. No, neither. Um, and the last one was, do you think they could have removed that scene with Maggie putting the clothes out? Well, to be honest, that was just another scene that made me dislike Marcos. Because I'm like, this guy is just a big flirt. Like, yeah. um, So that's that's probably where it had its benefit. Yep. I didn't really care about how the T-shirt came to his possession and it was his brothers that didn't do anything for me at mm, all. True. No, neither. All right. Well, I think we're ready to wrap this one up. And uh, at the end, we give the film a rating out of five and come up with an average. So what are your final thoughts for this one? Yeah, look, a lot of um, a lot of what this film was trying to do worked for me. Uh, I felt a connection to the philosophical ponderings. And, and while some of the specifics of the character's motives were foreign to me, the, the notion of growing up and starting to discover who you are in order to move forward 
that was not only a powerful driver, but really undeniably relatable in some extent as well. So for me, I really enjoyed it and I'm giving it three and a half stars. Very nice. Yeah. I think uh, everything that I've talked throughout this whole time is that the start I struggled with, but on reflection, probably liked a bit more. So mm. possibly rewatch and I can look at this in a different light. I love a good character piece too, like, like yourself. And, and that's what this was. Um, once it got going, it really got going and I was really into it just to, and I think that the performances um, in that, that apartment room were just really, really exceptional. And um, yeah, I was quite impressed with it by the end too. So three and a half for me as well. I, I, I was sweating on you then. I'm like, where is he going with this? How much did he like it? Is he going to mm. give it a three and a half? Is it just a three? That was, that was really well done, Jesse. Oh, thank you. It's all, all, you're sweating on it from the heat in the film. You still haven't cooled down. <laughs> uh, we are on social media. We've got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Please do subscribe to us on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Question this way, changing it up a little bit from the title, but um, if because I don't want to get too personal, but if you're on a deserted island, what's the deserted island? What's the one item that you must have with you? A bit like a survivor luxury gift or a- mm, God, it would have to be something to do with bedding or warmth or something. Uh, that's very smart. I was like a pack of Tim Tams, I don't know. Uh- <laughs> But I like that idea. You, you'll, you'll survive longer than I will off a pack of dim tests. <laughs> I, I guess I won't get to eat anything, but... <laughs> nah, but you'll, be, you'll be warm, so it's all good. Uh, you'll get your sugar cravings after the first half yes. hour and you'll be nutty. <laughs> uh, I should have thought about that one a bit more. Um, we, are back, <laughs> we are back again next week for another international film. Which, okay. Um, yeah, it's just a bit more enthusiasm. Whoa, so it is the 2019 Indian Hindi language film. It's called Music Teacher. This is directed by Sarthak Dasgupta and it stars Manav Kaul, Divya Duda, and Nina Gupta. So that is what we've got for you next week. Sounds good. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not, not excited by an international film. A lot of good international films out there. So I know. we'll see where this one lands. Sometimes two in a row, it, it, it's, you know, it's nice sometimes to um, not have to focus on the subtitles the whole time, but especially when not we're true. putting so much effort into it. But um, I'm still looking. It'll be still be good. Music teacher. That's what we've got next week. Sounds good, mate. Thank you yet again. And um, it's been a good discussion. Enjoyed this one. Yeah. This is one of those films that I enjoyed watching and then I started pondering it a bit more and I'm like, God, I'm glad we're having a chat about this one because it deserves a chat. Yeah, excellent. All right, I'll see you next week. See you then, mate.